Hi everyone and welcome to Beer and Bunts. My name is Chris and as usual we'll get straight into the tried and tested for this episode. Uh, and this one comes from Purity Brewing Company and it is Session IPA. Now this is one that I've actually not had for quite some time but I used to enjoy it uh, when I used to have it quite a few years back. Um, so this is, uh, it's a local beer brewed in Warwickshire, I think it's Redditch. Or at least that ballpark anyway. So yeah, Session IPA, it's a 4.5% um it's gluten free as well so that's obviously always a bonus uh, and apparently it is brewed pure eco so crafted with the conscience in the heart of Warwickshire countryside this little can embodies our love of great beer with real character sustainably brewed to leave an even better after taste in your mouth well, didn't say after taste but that was what it implied uh, sustainable approach to brewing since day one we endure to reduce reuse and recycle where best we can our unique wetland saves water and promotes wildlife diversity. Mm. Quite nice. Oh, that's a bit of their blurb about them. The actual beer is... Our Moorish unfiltered session IPA is brimming with tropical fruit notes and aromas, brewed with pale malt, Vienna and golden naked oats, whilst generally hopped with Simcoe, Eureka and Mosaic. We are super proud of this World Beer Award winning IPA, but we can't take any of the credit for the great looking... Uh, design uh, designed by the talented students of Birmingham School of Art and if they, it's only a, a couple of teardrops facing opposite directions but okay uh, right no, that's enough of the cynicalness I suppose so on the nose does smell fruity now on the look of it it is quite a light golden colour um, hazy yeah, it's just the normal kind of citrusy fruity tones I'm picking up Bear with me, I'll have a quick swig. Right, so on the initialness, you do get you do get the bitterness straight from the off, in my personal opinion. Um bit of bitterness, not a massive amount, but it is there. You do get a line of smoothness, a little bit of the fruitiness, not something that's massively overpowering on the fruity aspect. You definitely uh, focus on the bitterness aspect of it there and then you get a little bit more of that bitterness and the aftertaste as you'd associate with a typical IPA. Now being a session IPA it is far more delicate and muted on the tones um, you know it's it's a very easy drinking drink so if you're kind of starting off on your craft journey haven't really developed into your big hitters yet but you kind of want to you know sample some new things definitely one for you to try um you know i don't think you'll be disappointed with it at all um but yeah it it's not one of the ones that if you're if you like your big you know big hitters like your double dry hop ipas or you know even your quadruples if you're into that type of stuff you're obviously going to find that a far more muted flavor very subtle on the palate and it may not be for you but i personally think it's a nice sessionable drink perfect for this time of year you know with the obviously the glorious sunshine, I say as I look out the window and it's absolutely throwing it down. Uh, but in true, you know, British fashion, it's what we've come to expect. But yeah, overall that's Session IPA from uh, Purity. Very pleasant, very enjoyable. And if you haven't tried it, give it a blast. Right, so uh, I've been, you know, binging uh, a new TV series that um, I hadn't come across before. So I went on holiday a few weeks back. Um, and while we were away, um, just down in Devon, we met up with some friends, and they were talking about, um, oh, do you like uh, Hunted? Obviously, I spoke about Hunted before. I think it's quite an interesting concept. 
Um, like, yeah, yeah, we enjoy that. Like, oh, you need to try uh, a show called Race Across the World. Okay, what's that? Um, and essentially, what the premise of it is is they pick up a start point and they pick an end point and they work out how much a flight would cost you to travel that distance. They then give the individuals that amount of money and they have to get there without any use of a phone or any uh, flying at all. So it makes it quite quite an interesting concept and quite tricky as well. So essentially, the biggest question what they essentially proposing is by doing the just the flights everywhere are people essentially losing the ability to travel and see and see new things and get exposed to you know new countries new well regimes new cultures you know just a difference of everything um so we've never heard of it it's actually currently uh on bbc iplayer so it's a bbc series we it's in the the moment it's in the middle of its third series that's being broadcast and we went back to the start watched the first series and then the second series like literally in the space of a couple of weeks and you know we're currently binging through the current episodes are available on season three so the original series was based on the start point was london and they had to get to singapore with about 1300 pounds each um, and obviously travel through other different uh, countries. Now there is checkpoints in this as well, so it's not a case you can just do oh a direct line. You have to stop over at certain places. I'm kind of assuming that the reason being is human welfare, because in some places when they start running like lower money, um, obviously they can work to try and bump it up. But depending on where they are, it depends on how much they'll get for the work. Uh, also sometimes because they haven't got the money they don't necessarily eat so I think they give them a 36 hour stopover in every single checkpoint A for a rest and relax but B probably to make sure they're getting plenty of nourishment and nutrition that they actually need just to make sure that they, you know, the individuals are safe and okay so but yes the, the first one was from London to Singapore that was really interesting so it was the furthest points you could go um, across land and yeah, that was really, really interesting. Really, really interesting dynamic. Um, quite a... You could sense the competitiveness between the teams. Um, but yeah, I, I found it really interesting. And the, the one thing for that particular series, I really wanted to go... And, there's a couple of countries that I went through, such as like certain parts of China that you don't really see on the television at all. Um, things like... Uh, was it Uzbekistan? Um and other things like that. And I was like, well, actually, that's really interesting. I'd really love to, I'd like to go and actually experience what those places are like. Um, but yeah, that, that particular series I found was really good. The second series was based um, throughout the Southern America. So it started off in Mexico City, and you had to go down all the way down to Ushuaia in the bottom of Argentina. Um, now, anybody who's into um, like current affairs in South America... There's a lot of volatile countries. There's areas um, that you can't even go through, so you have to use a boat just to get around them because they're run by bandits. Um, there's political unrest all over the place because of evacuations and things like that. It's a really, really volatile area. However, it's extremely beautiful. And there's got some beautiful people there as well. Um, so you don't just... 
it's not all a negative. Actually, there's some of the things I was looking at. You were just like absolutely stunning and breathtaking. Um, really, really interesting. And um, one thing I did like about the, that particular series as well is like there was less of a competitive element. It was more about a supportive section. So, yeah, I mean, again, a different dynamic, but coming up with different challenges that you would get if you were traveling across like Europe and um, Asia. You know, South America had a far more different set of uh, issues to like contend with. So that was really interesting. Um, but they were all, they were all pre-COVID, so this time round they've they're traveling for uh, essentially up and down and across um, Canada. Now, obviously, Canada being the second largest country in the world, but there's got everything from big metropolises to absolutely vast wilderness where there's no people at all. So, you know, with really harsh weather, really difficult transport links. Um, so, although you don't kind of get the divert, well, you do get some diversity, but not as much obviously going from different countries. It brings up its own challenges because, especially being Canada, being so expensive. Um, so it makes you think a lot more. And much more different element to this race as well. Now, I haven't given any spoilers away. Um, I've just kind of given you a kind of brief overview of what the different series are. But if you haven't come across it at all, Race Across the World, I've genuinely found gripping. Um, it's, really, it's such a simple concept. But I think you relate to the people in the situations that they're in. But also, you've got, you got that envy because you want to go and do those things yourself. If you don't think you do at the moment, you're watching. You're like, oh, I'd love to do that. Oh, I'd love to try this. Oh, I wouldn't mind doing that. It's really, really clever. So, yeah, I've, I've got to be honest. I was uh, far more gripped with it than I actually anticipated. Um, but, yeah, I can't... I, Genuinely can't recommend it enough. It's all I talk about at work at the moment as well. Um, keep on telling everybody I speak to to watch it. So if you haven't watched it, please give it a blast. I don't think you'll be disappointed at all. Right, what I'm going to do is very quickly finish off the Session IPA from Purity. Bear with me one moment. Yeah, so Session IPA from Purity. That's our tried and tested for this episode. Very pleasant, very smooth. Definitely worth a blast if you haven't tried it before. Right, so moving on to the Peter Folk for this episode. This one is called Phoenix IPA and it's from Buxton Brewery. So it's 6%, it's an IPA. Their blurb is a juicy IPA with abundant ripe mango and stone fruit. No idea what stone fruit is. Alongside citrus fruit notes from its combination of mosaic, simpo, sorry, simcoe and... Uh, you cannot? Equinot? Equinaut, isn't it? Spelt Equinaut, but it's Equinaut. Yeah, it's an Equinaut hops. Um, and yeah, it's based in the Peak District, old uh, Buxton Brewery. I've driven past Buxton before, and it's actually looked very pretty. So, on the look, uh, kind of similar, kind of like kind of yellow, light golden colour. It is hazy, but I wouldn't say it's as hazy as a Session IPA. I'm not too sure if it's because like, uh, it's been sitting there a little bit longer or not. I'm not too sure. Definitely a little bit more aroma on the nose of it. I think the only way I'm actually going to be able to give you a full, you know, full analysis is I'll just stop talking and have a swig. So if you bear with me one moment. Okay, so initially, a little bit more bite. Um, a little bit more fruit. Now, there's a slight strange, strange taste 
a um, little bit of an aftertaste from a fruit. I'm assuming that's like the stone fruit. Um, I don't know. Not necessarily one I'd run for with that kind of fruit. I mean, to be fair, I'm going to try it if I can discover it. Uh, maybe just a combination of that with the hops, but I'm not overly sold on that. It's not, I mean, don't get me wrong, I mean, I'm very nitpicking here. Overall, you go from that initial bit of bitterness, you get the fruitiness, you get a bit of aftertaste. It's not a bitter aftertaste, not a, a normal kind of grab you by the throat IPA, but there's an aftertaste there. Um, I think the aftertaste kind of comes a little bit earlier, and that could actually be um, the hops mixing with the fruit that kind of bringing it through. Bear me one second, what I'm going to do is have another quick swig just to give it another analysis. Okay, so, okay, so this is obviously a crossover from the Session IPA to the normal IPA. This time around, got more of the fruity aspect of it. A little bit of the bitterness. Again, not a, not a massive amount, not a lot of bite. So again, if you like your grippy IPAs, definitely not for you. But uh, no, I'm finding that um, quite smooth and very pleasant actually. Um, not really much else I can say about it. I think it's very similar to the Session IPA, just with a little bit more about it. Um, but to be honest, I would drink both of them anyway. So it's not like it's a disappointment to me at all. So yeah, that's a Phoenix IPA from Buxton Brewery. Right, so another thing I've been watching. Um, is that this, you know, this is something that I wasn't entirely sure about. However, I have been kind of desperate to see it in recent months just because of... At the moment, I've got Sky Cinema, um, and there's been a few films on there I really wanted to watch, and this being one of them. However, it has been done to death, so I was a little bit apprehensive. So, this is The Batman. Now, this one is Robert Patterson, so best known for, you know, Twilight series, which I do believe he is not a fan of himself. Um, obviously moved on from that role, uh, gone for a lot of diversity, um, got some really punchy roles that he's done as a you know since he's beyond moved that period. Um, so I was intrigued to see how they kind of did it. They've got um, like Colin Farrell is in there as the Penguin, completely unrecognisable. Um, <clears throat> I think the way that they did the Batman though, um, one thing I liked about it. A lot of the recent superhero films have been kind of over the top. We need to do the big graphics, we need to do the big hits, we need to do, oh, let's have explosion, explosion, explosion all over the place, blah, 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 just for the sake of the explosion. And you kind of get drawn away from the story itself because you, you've got all that kind of visual aspect to it. Now, the Batman, I found it quite interesting because... It was far less of that. It was far more of a realistic aspect. And far more grittier as well. So, you know, One of the, the Batman films I, I do enjoy is The Dark Knight. Now I don't necessarily think it is an amazing film. I just think certain people carried the film to another level. Um, I think other actors who were normally some of my favourite actually had a bit of a lacklustre um, way in it. But that's my personal opinion. I know people love that film. Um, I just think... If they'd have bumped up the age rating and kind of let some actors go for their normal style, I think he could have been a lot better. Um, obviously, Heath Ledger being as the Joker was amazing. Um, but yeah, so with the the Batman, um, this one they've kind of taken it away from the the ones that mainly done as a starting point in the other ones. So another thing to give away too much if you haven't seen it. 
Um, the main uh, villain is it, uh, the Riddler. Now, I know Penguin is featured in it, um, but it's, it's one of the things. Riddler is very much the the main villain for it. However, there is actually a lot of undertone about... Um, it's not an origin story at all. However, they do cover a lot of elements that link in from the um, origin points. So it, there's far more focus on uh, the underground kind of mafia setup. Um, you know, how that kind of infiltrates and obviously makes uh, Gotham a lot dirtier than it you know, essentially needs to be. Kind of the precursor to having the big supervillains. I think they went down that route very cleverly. Um, I don't know. There's a, a funny way to explain it is, in all the other Batman films, when they're wearing a bat mask, they take the mask off. Although they have completely black eyes, there's no sign of any of the face colourings at all. This one, it still has it on. Just to make... Something simple as that, but that's the kind of level of detail they've gone into to make it as realistic as possible. Now, obviously, there's always going to be certain areas or certain elements of these films that you can't really make realistic to, to keep it true to the stories of what they do. But I think, it, I don't know, there's just a cleverness to it. Um, I say the earthiness, the realness to it. And you could even see, essentially, some person doing some elements of that if it ever came down to it. So, I don't know. Um, they do a, a good balance, like because um, Catwoman is featured in it. Um, they've got a brand new Batmobile, which I'm a massive fan of as well. Again, the reason why I like the Batmobile is because with the last one, it was like a big, massive tank thing, and you know, over the top and massively unnecessary. Really, it wasn't even that cool. It just looked, in my opinion, it looked a bit crap. Um, I know some people go mad about me saying that, but for me, it just. It wasn't a Batmobile. It was literally just a tank that they painted black. Um, this one, the reason why I like it is because it has elements of... You could see that someone could have made that... If Obviously, you know, as a billionaire with the money not being an issue. They could have made that under the radar inside uh, a garage or a cave. And nobody would have really paid that much of attention to while the works were going on. Kind of got the chassis of an old... Like an old um, like 70s muscle car um utter like you know subtle tweaks with the engine the way they've done it to make it a little bit more menacing and you know evil but again nothing that's beyond that realm of oh yeah this is stupid it was it's that it's that element and the protection that they use um so when he fly the one part where uh, batman jumps off a building instead of having the cool wings that come out it's literally just a flying squirrel suit that he's got again one that someone can buy or make of their own, um, rather than being a, f a flash over the top kind of element to it. Um, sorry, I kind of digress because that's that's the kind of stuff I'm into. I'm very geeky in that respect. Uh, in case you hadn't noticed, but yeah. So overall, I actually I found it a pleasant surprise, really. So if you haven't seen the Batman and you've been putting it off for those same reasons that I've been putting it off for as well, I recommend you watch it. I think you'll. Um, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. And I think there's also scope to bring in like some of the other people, such as, uh, obviously you've got the Robin aspect of it, but personally, I, one character from that kind of element I would love to see is Nightwing. 
Um, he's a character that I think is absolutely brilliant and I think he's massively underutilised when it comes to the film world and I think he'd have a bigger following than you know, releasing something like a brand new Batman really but that's me um, if you haven't, if you don't understand what I'm on about when going to Nightwing I'd recommend you look into that because I think it's very interesting um, but yeah I'm going to stop geeking out now I'm going to finish off the Phoenix IPA from Buxton Brewery uh, so I can move on to the Around the World Right, so the Around the World from this episode is all the way from Norway. So this one is called West Coast Double Dry Hopped IPA. Assertive, dank, resinous and chewy. A classic West Coast IPA with a modern hop products spectrum and incognito. Okay, so let's have a look whereabouts in Norway it was. It says musk ox. Duvrefell, Norway. No idea if I pronounced that right, but that's the way it looks like to me. Uh, so yeah, so it's six percent. A bit light, really, for a double dry hop. I mean, normally they're about seven, eight percent, aren't they? But again, it looks like they've kind of gone for something a little bit different. So I can't really knock it. Now on the colour, it's much more dark gold and maybe moving slightly towards the amber look. Uh, it is very cloudy. Um, let's have a quick nose of it. Ooh, ooh. Now I have no idea what this uh, tastes like, but it smells amazing. Proper like, mm. there's a real fruitiness to it, but I, it, like something I can't particularly identify. Ooh, I'm definitely the, I'm gonna have to enjoy this. So bear with me one second. Okay, so we'll see what I mean about the resinous. So that is a very strange drink. Now, trying to explain it, not strange as in bad, strange as in good. Um, you got a smoothness to it. You do get a bit of the fruitiness, and you do get kind of like a bit of a. I don't saw the people probably associated maybe a bit of a pine effect. It's not really pine, but it's along that kind of. Everyone's had a beer with pine in it. It's kind of got that little element, like tree kind of style, <laughs> earthy background to it. Not, I mean, I'm not, I appreciate I'm really not selling this at all. Um, it is a bit like a, it, it resinous is probably the best way I can genuinely describe it. Which is not offensive. It's kind of like a strange, different kind of bitterness at the back. Not doesn't grab you by the throat again. So you know, if you're into your more smoother IPAs. I definitely say that that's probably like one of the ones to, you know, have a look at. But it's not. I definitely won't class it as a traditional West Coast IPA at all. Um, not in too sure if it's the difference of the hops or anything. Or no. Um, just have a quick look on the can see if there's anything else I can see. Uh, malts, pale ale, Munich type two, Caramunch type two, and Carafa special type one. Chinook, Incognito, Citrus Spectrum, Centennial, Cascade, Idaho 7, and the East is AY4. No idea what half that means, but all I know is this is actually quite nice and very pleasant. So I'm going to have another quick sweep before I carry on. Yeah, there's not really much else I can say to it, but it, it is, um, it's definitely unique in its style. Um, 
I, I do am enjoying that. Strangely, I am enjoying it. But again, when it comes to the description element, it is quite difficult on your own. I need somebody else to bounce off with this one. Um, it's probably where I'm missing something, really. Uh, but yeah, very, very pleasant. All right, obviously coming up to uh, our final section before the wild card. So normally we'll talk about some uh, kind of sport aspects. Obviously, we've had the uh, female Six Nations, like the women's Six Nations on. I've been absolutely gripped with it. So we did the uh, fantasy rugby during the men's one, and we would continue doing it during the women's one as well. Um, overall, I thought the tournament was fantastic. England and France were both uh, amazing throughout. Really close for a game in the end, but England managed to win the Grand Slam. Um, I think I need a shout-out to Italy as well. I think the women's uh, Italian rugby team performed really, really well. And, you know, if anything, it's a testament to how much they're dedicating to it because the men's game gets a lot of flack. I think they're improving the right way, but it's a, it's a big gap to jump with the level of investment and the time and the players and, you know, having teams available and stuff. You know, they've only got two teams, so you have to rely on, you know, people that are going abroad, which again makes things harder. Um, but I think the women's team did really, really well. I think it needs some, like, deserves a bit of credit for it as well. Um, but overall, yeah, congratulations to England with the Grand Slam. They did a fantastic job and some really, really good, uh, like, star players coming through. And um, I think the, the one was um, one of the flankers, his uh, Kabea. She's like 21, and she was an absolute battering ram. Fantastic. Definitely a superstar in the making, but definitely worth uh, keeping an eye on those in the future. But one thing I actually do want to mention for it is because they actually broke the attendance record, which I think was about 60,000 for a women's game, which beats the um, women's final from last year, was it? I think it was last year. Yes, it was last year uh, in New Zealand. So, you know, the women's game is on the up and up. And as long as people enjoy sports and everything, you all know I'm a massive advocate for rugby. Um, you know, I think it's really good that you grow and get aspects of the game, and also giving young girls um, like somebody to follow and actually look up to. You know, not every girl wants to sit there and like playing dresses and dolls and things like that. Some girls, you know, actually want to do the same as what you know other people do as well. Um, in my local rugby club there was um, a girl in one of our uh, training sessions and last week she turned up with um, hoodie was like uh, like real princess uh, like wear rugby boots which I thought was absolutely fantastic you are getting that kind of openness and that diversity and people can be um, you know who they want to be nowadays and I think that's really really important for personal growth and also growth of a community we are I am looking out for that one because I think she's going to be a star in the future as well. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I digress. Congratulations. Digress. 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 It's all going wrong. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, congratulations to the England women's team. They did really, really well in the Six Nations. We're looking forward to see how they develop moving forward. Um, now, it is obviously the start of like the cricket season as well. I know a lot of people go, oh. I, I enjoy cricket, as I've said previously over the last uh, couple of years. And... Uh, so much so, not only have I signed up my uh, son to the All-Stars sessions, so not too sure if anybody um, knows much about this. So there's All-Stars, which is a introduction for like 5 to 8-year-olds in cricket. And then 8 to 11 is Dynamos. 
And then beyond that, they go into like under 11s, under 13s, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, cricket teams. But yeah, um, oh, it hasn't started yet. That starts next week. So we're quite, look, quite looking forward to going to that. And I thought, I've signed up to be a helper because, yeah, I always do these, these things. I like to get involved and help and support where I can. So what we've actually, um, what I've done as well, not only have I signed up to be a helper, I've actually signed up to start playing as well. Now, I've never played cricket in my life. Um, I've only ever watched it really for the last couple of years. Now, I've done uh, four sessions and like four practice sessions and I'm actually going to play a game on Saturday, weather permitting. Um, so, slightly nervous about that, but also I'm quite looking forward to um there is a kind of strange thing when it comes to cricket where when you turn up to um, any kind of training sessions, the first thing they go, oh, we played before. No, no, no. Okay, no problem. Have a bowl. Cool. Um, how do you do that? <laughs> you know, I think this is one thing. Where they People just expect you to know the motions, which on the type of brain I am, I analyse what people do and I look at everything and try and work things out and then try and put it into practice, which is fine. If you're not that way inclined and you don't know, there is a thing of like, well, surely you could just quickly show, oh, ask the question, do you know where to ball? Okay, right, hold the ball like this. These are the motions you do. See how you get on and we'll work from there. It's not really that difficult. However, it's something that doesn't really transpire across any kind of class. I think everybody's so used to somebody would have played it in school, which is okay when you come from a nice area where I currently reside. Uh, you know, not so good when... You know, you grow up in the rough areas where I used to reside. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, overall, I am looking forward to it. Um, you know, slow progression at each time. But yeah, we'll kind of, uh, we'll see how it goes and I'll I'll let you know how the progress is. The one thing I have noticed and the one thing I have invested in recently is a thigh guard. It turns out, when you get hit by a cricket ball on the legs, it really hurts. Um, so I have a massive bruise that was on my left thigh which is now finally disappearing after two and a half weeks um, so in practice last night I got hit in the right thigh for a bruise just to come out and probably take another two weeks to uh, disappear so I've been investing in the thigh guard just to try and uh, you know, give myself some protection um, and also try and save my legs because if I carry on this right I'm not going to be able to walk properly uh, but yeah I am actually looking forward to it and uh, yeah hopefully kind of see where it goes and it's all about personal journey isn't it um i'm the type of person that i just like to learn everything i can if i'm not too sure about it if i find any kind of barriers i want to find a way to get over them and you know learn them anyway i suppose i'm quite stubborn in that respect and i know a lot of other people aren't but i always feel if you ever if you have desired to do something don't let other people put you off even if you're not comfortable or if, if you turn up somewhere and you think, mm, not too sure, persevere. You know, it might work out. If it doesn't work out, okay, try somewhere else, but don't give up on the idea. Just give up Just give up on the, that particular location. Find somewhere else. Try something new. But the most important thing, just persevere and actually get yourself to the position where you're comfortable you're happy with the outcome. If you do so much of it and you go, yep, yeah, okay, that's enough for me. I've learned enough. That's completely fine. If you carry on and then you go, actually, I want to learn more and more and more. That's even better. That means you're, you're probably buying into whatever you're doing. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be work. It could be sport or anything. I'm a big advocate of, like, you know, just try your best. It doesn't matter. I'd rather have someone, you know, try the best and not achieve as much than someone who's got so much ability that can't be bothered. You know, that's, that's the mentality I am. And that's 
the way that I kind of live my life really and try and uh, pass that on to my boys as well. Um, but again, I would digress. Yeah, I'm going back to cricket. Um, no, I'm going to start cricket and we'll, I'll let you know how it goes. Well, one thing I will say, if you are looking at uh, taking a cricket, it's bloody expensive. So I've literally bought like the kind of basic setups, things like that. I'm probably up to about £200 already. You know, some pads, gloves, bag, helmets, box, balls, clothes. You know, and I've still not got everything. It's absolutely ridiculous. But, um, you know, it is a it is an expensive sport. But you can make it work if you wanted. There's plenty of offers on uh, eBay and things. Uh, some bloke selling a complete older kit. Another thing at the moment is like twenty quid with five pound delivery. You know, it's worth sometimes just buying it just so you can get the bits and pieces you need out of it. But yeah, uh, definitely worth a blast if you haven't tried it. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's a fun sport. That they're, they're not as hardcore as I think they are, which is hilarious. But yeah, uh, I actually got hit with a I wasn't paying attention, so it is my own fault. But I got hit in the head with a cricket ball, and they instantly were like, "Oh no, you okay? You okay?" I was like. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> Clearly not used to the uh, rugby background at all. Um, but yeah, so it'll be interesting. And uh, I'll keep you updated with as, like, things as they progress anyway. Uh, right, let's quickly finish off this West Coast uh, Double Dry Hop IPA. And it is, what was the brewery? Wouldn't help you if I told you, wouldn't it? Uh, the Garden Brewery. Lurvig. Yep. No idea. But the beer is very enjoyable. Right, so moving on to the wild card for this episode. So this one, the wild card, because although it's easily accessible, it just looked horrendous. It doesn't look like a single thing I would ever normally pick. So this is called Blueberry Tart, and it's from Tiny Rebel. So it's a Blueberry Tart Pale Ale, 5.5%. Doesn't really tell you a lot. Eye, deep red. Yeah, I'll give them that. Nose, blueberries and pastry. Let's have a smell. Smell a bit of blueberry, I suppose. Taste of blueberry tart. Now, I don't know about you, but I find, generally find blueberries quite boring. Um, I don't mind doing a blueberry muffin. Um, but overall, as eating as a fruit, I don't find the thing to be a lot of flavour with them. Now, that could be completely me. Like other people could probably pick up loads of flavours from them. But for me, I just don't find it a massively interesting fruit to eat. Um, so this one's going to be particularly interesting, so bear with me. Oh, God. Um, yeah, as I thought, the fruit's there, but it's just the sweetness. It's one of those ones where... Oh, we've, I've had a few beers like that recently, where it's like, there is... It's just sweet for the sweet's sake. Or they're trying to do something different. It's kind of got a little bit of the... I don't think it has. But it, yes, it has. Lactose. I was going to say it's got a bit of a lactose taste to it. When they got the any beers that have got milk in it, it just tastes like sour milk. And then you make a bit of fruit with it. And I throw some sugar in it. Just, for me, it just tastes utterly horrendous. Um, Yeah, not really enjoying that at all. If you're into like your lactose beers, I'm, it's not actually massively overpowering. I actually think without that, the blueberry part, ironically enough, would actually be quite nice. Um, for me, it's the milk that kind of puts it off. Um, I'm getting a bit of the fruitiness, but then the majority of the thing I'm picking up is that lactose flavour. Um, 
and massively disappointed, which I'm not overly surprised by, if I'm completely honest. Right, you know what time it is. Now time to put uh, the order in. Now, unsurprisingly, in last place, Blueberry Tart from Tiny Rebel. Um, not the worst milk beer I've had. Not the best either. Um, you do get the... I think I'm picking up a bit more of the fruit tone, like tones now. Um, now the kind of milk flavours like passing away. However, it's just not one I would necessarily go to. Um, it's just... No, it just doesn't tick the box, I'm afraid. Right. Now, I'm quite torn between second and third. I'm going to go with... Session IPA for purity in third place. Very pleasant drink. Very sessionable. Very enjoyable if you haven't had it before. Um, a little bit on the weaker side. But again, summertime. If you want a beer that's like, easy, smooth, nice and subtle, um, you know, in the sunshine, definitely want to give, you a give it a blast. Um, in second place, I'm going for the Phoenix IPA. Very similar beer, ironically enough, despite the fact of being a lot more in the strength department. However... Very similar, very similar profiles. You know, there wasn't a lot between the two. It's probably just a little bit more punch on the flavour. And that's the reason why I went for that. However, in first place, it's got to be the West Coast Double Dry Hopped IPA from the Garden Brewery in Norway. Different. A little bit strange, I'd probably say, but in a good way. Um, as I, I struggle to analyse it, so the, the complexity of the, of the beer is there. But it was very pleasant and very Moorish. And I'm looking forward to finishing that can off when uh, this episode finishes. Which is pretty much now. So thank you very much for joining me again people. Uh, I'll, again I'll try and get uh, a guest to come in with me. So we can bounce these flavours off. Um, I've hopefully got some in the pipeline. But you know, I'll keep you posted. But yeah thank you very much for joining me. And we will speak to you again soon. Goodbye. <laughs>